You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the series Back to the Future. I share stories from family farmers, conservationists, and artisans who spend their lives conserving agri-food traditions in hope of a simpler world. Today, we're speaking with Sharon McKenzie, Executive Director at Intergenerational Society of Canada, about holiday baking. Welcome, Sharon. Hi, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Sharon, let's start with what the Intergenerational Society of Canada is and what do you do? Uh, okay, it's a not-for-profit, and uh, basically we look at bringing seniors or older adults and children and youth together in um, respectful ways, purposeful ways, and uh, we work really hard right across Canada and actually internationally at times as well, networking people who are interested in this field and wanting to uh, either start intergenerational activities or go forward and expand ones that they already have going. That's kind of what our job is. <laughs> Our self-appointed job. (laughs) (laughs) And a wonderful job. So you're the cross Canada. So that means locally, there's lots of stuff happening in all the provinces and territories and regions. And um, lots of people doing some really great grassroots work, but have this incredible network to connect in and share ideas and have a, a broad network for expertise with the Intergenerational Society of Canada. How did it get started, Sharon? Well, I was a teacher and um, I had always had a a great involvement with older adults in my own life. And uh, as a teacher, I brought seniors into my classroom and had my students go out to uh, senior care homes and so forth and interviewing seniors. I always walked away from those involvements thinking there's so much more here. And at the time, I thought, well, why not intergenerational immersion? And so I contacted uh, my neighbor who happened to have a a care facility in the town that I lived in in British Columbia. And I asked if I could move my class in. (laughs) And uh, so we spent two and a half months every year, whatever class I had, and it was an intermediate class. So it ranged from the ages of nine to 13 in the senior care facility in a makeshift classroom. And it was called the Meadows School Project. And if you go to our website, which is intergenerational.ca, there's quite a, a long history and pictures, et cetera. But that formed 10 years of research in the intergenerational field. And it was pretty much, it, it, even today, it stands alone as being sort of the longest standing research into an area like this. So we started a not-for-profit. And June Caldwell, actually from Ontario, was a friend and a mentor at that time. And she um, was very supportive in me trying to get more Meadow School projects going across Canada. So we we developed the um, not-for-profit, the Intergenerational Society of Canada, around the idea that immersion was a really wonderful thing. So it really started with a vision of something incredible. I can hear the passion and the excitement in your voice when you're describing those early days. And here we are with all the incredible things that have happened since that very um, idea that thank goodness took flight. So what kinds of projects and activities do you do? Well, one of the things that 
it was a driving force. And long before COVID, isolation and loneliness was actually the number one health concern across Canada for both seniors and young people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we really focused on that. I was I was commissioned by the Public Health Agency of Canada over three different projects to actually write up the research in kind of a curricula manner so that other people, teachers, other organizations and so forth could follow some of the things that we had done. So So some of the projects that we've done, um, one, trying to connect people across Canada who are doing small projects, and they quite likely don't realize the incredible power of what they're wielding. Like lots of times people will do a small project, like have a, uh, a youth choir come to a senior home. Perhaps it's something in the community where seniors and kids get together and and plant a garden or whatever. But I don't think there has been over the last several decades enough understanding of how powerful that is and how important mm-hmm. that is and how little of that we have happening in Canada now with everybody so busy. And so um, the, the whole idea of bringing that together, how do we how do we connect it? So we started 10, 13 years ago, I guess. Uh, we started June 1st as Intergenerational Day Canada. And that has gone nationwide. And it's an opportunity for everybody to share what they're doing intergenerationally or you know, just to walk out of their house or walk out of their residence and make a connection with somebody from another generation. It's a one day kind of focus. Mm -hmm. So the loneliness and isolation of both um, the younger generation, as well as people in their golden years, and what a great way to solve that problem by having them come together, as you have described, maybe not in a full immersion, because there can be complications with that, although that's great, but other uh, ways to do it. And how wonderful that it's celebrated across Canada by sharing things. There is um, this meaning that you referenced, that this quality of life that can come for all the participants. And I'm really interested in hearing more about that specifically with baking. So can you tell us about some of the food-related or agri-food, you had mentioned gardens-related projects that uh, the Intergenerational Society of Canada and all its incredible participants and and supporters do? Well, I just finished a three-year project, again, with Public Health Agency Canada and the government of New Brunswick. And uh, in Bathurst, one of the things that they've done that's been absolutely amazing, especially through COVID, is they had their culinary classes at the high school actually make soups and stews package Mm -hmm. it and take it out to isolated seniors in their community, which was just, you know, (laughs) heartwarming, tummy warming, you name it. It was just an amazing thing. Um, There's two projects, one in Fredericton and one in Rothsay in New Brunswick as well, where they're doing um, gardening projects. So they're taking from garden, so basically from garden to table. Mm -hmm. They're talking about nutrition and they're, you know, planting together, they're tending together, they're harvesting together, and then, of course, obviously, baking and cooking together as well. So that's another one. That was really a community-based thing. That's that's delightful. And you said heartwarming and tummy warming. And I think that's a great <laughs> takeaway. And and even just, I, I'm thinking of my own grandmother's, um, she had a, a black three ring uh, notebook and she would have all her recipes in there and she would write them in pencil or some notes on the side and pen. And when you go back to look at it, things like that is incredible knowledge about our way of life that through intergenerational experiences that we really get to learn a lot. I know that I do. I, my niece recently, um, we were getting together for a holiday thing and she decided she was going to be the one who was, uh, in charge of what it was we were going to be making. And so it was this ice cream rolled in ground up 
uh, chocolate cookie wafers that had been crushed. And so it was created like a sort of snowball. It was served with gummy worms. I think she called them mud pies or something. But anyways, that was something very different that we never would have thought of. So the knowledge went the other way that time. She was teaching us what to make. So very interesting. And I'd love to know what you've learned from a young person about baking, Sharon, in your travels. I think what's been wonderful for me, like I have three sons and they're all wonderful cooks. And, um, and then my own grandkids, I've got six grandsons and they, they love to putter in the kitchen as well. But the young people that I've worked with through my, my work and through my profession, uh, is just that opportunity to put things together. And I guess I can, it sums up with the one word fusion. And I think mm-hmm. that, that whole idea of fusing, bringing together, uh, you know, maybe, uh, borscht along with sushi, you know, absolutely crazy connections, but uh, young people don't seem to worry about that. They, they look at it kind of more in a holistic way of bringing in these different flavors and different textures. And they don't think about, well, that's French and this is Italian. And this is, you know, they don't, they don't think about that. They just bring things together. So I, I would think that probably what I would say about that young people have taught me is to not be afraid to really step it up, <laughs> you know? Right. And I mean, I was a kid in Canada, you had flour, you had white flour, whole wheat flour and white flour. Yeah. And now when you're looking at, you know, quinoa, there's all these amazing things from other cultures that are on our grocery shelves mm-hmm. now that we never had before. And, but, you know, you try it. And I think that's, that's wonderful. It's wonderful from a cultural point of view, but it's also wonderful from a culinary point of view as well. well right. Culinary point of view and nutritional, right? You can make the yeah, same recipe sure. and if you can swap out the flour if you're using almond instead of wheat or wheat instead of almond, whichever way, um, you get a different nutrient profile. So that's good in an overall balanced uh, pattern of eating. So really, really wonderful. Lots of heartwarming experiences. What's some of the uh, most cherished observations that you've made in intergenerational food initiatives? One of the projects that I did was I, I decided that I wanted to bring in something where they seniors and kids could sit together and model and, and sculpt things. And so I brought in Play-Doh. I made tons of Play-Doh and play. And I thought, well, the Play-Doh will be really something that that the seniors can use because a lot of them had really arthritic hands and I thought it would be nice and soft, but the kids could use the clay, which would be fun for the seniors to see what ended up. Mm-hmm. The kids were so excited about the Play-Doh because they hadn't seen it since they were in kindergarten. Oh. <laughs> they grabbed the Play-Doh and the seniors hadn't seen clay. So it ended up, they spent the entire morning, the entire morning working with clay and um, and Play-Doh, but they put it together. So they make like a, the body oh, wow. would be clay and the head would be Play-Doh. And one little girl came up to me and she said, well, what are we going to do with these? Like, you know, we can't fire them in a kiln. And I said, you know, it's not about, it has nothing to do about the final product. It's all about you working together, sitting there laughing and right. Right. You know, with the, the two materials and having such fun. So that's the part that, comes with uh cooking is is that and baking together is it's not really about the final product uh it's really about what happens you know right. in the process right that that process and that um you know shared human experience over a common task where you can just laugh at the mistakes or or celebrate the joys of you know if you're really happy with what it is you made Um, but really that connection across generations. Thank you very much, Sharon. After the break, we'll discuss the social and emotional significance of intergenerational baking with Sharon McKenzie from the Intergenerational Society of Canada. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. You're listening to Food for the Future. We're speaking with Sharon McKenzie about the value of intergenerational baking. Sharon, I remember the first microwave ovens. They were huge. They were like refrigerators almost turned on their side. And it seems so old fashioned now, but it really isn't just the equipment and the methods that make the memories. It's the people that do. So what are some of the most emotional benefits of baking across generations? What it is, is it it actually gives people time to come together and chat. And quite often, I mean, a little bit of the conversation will be about the actual putting together of the food or the blending of this or that. But most of the time, it's about other things. You know, they'll go off onto tangents and and talk about things. So it's having that in common. And uh, as I had mentioned to you before the show, I think that one of the things that we've really focused on in Canada in the last decade is all uh, how many different things we have, different groups that we have, different nationalities, different people, different interest groups in in Canada. And sometimes I worry as an older person myself that we're forgetting what we have in common. And the one thing that we do all have in common, and we cannot stop it, is aging. And the other thing is eating. So when you look at both aging and eating, and you bring people together, uh, especially younger and older people together, with that opportunity to just chat, um, there's a strong bond. Like, I, I, I'm not even sure how you can explain it. What really matters is the fact that you're coming together over a common bond with ages and stages in their life. There's just different skill levels that they're both bringing to it, but also they both want to eat. And, and so that it's that, you know, incredible excitement of that. And I think it's just an emotional connection that and the conversations and laughing, the, the laughter. Right, right. right. And, and a lot of fun. So another dimension that's really, really important is, is friendship. It's, it's central to humanity. Socially, what can we learn from baking something with a young person or from someone of another season in their life? Well, I think that's how we pass on our culture, right? Whether it's the culture of, you know, what your heritage and your background is right now, or whether it's the culture of the future, it's, there's something to be said for handing down ideas. And in that, you actually share ideas from your generation. And I think when you come together in friendship and you're sharing something like the making of food, uh, where you have kind of a common purpose, but you're working on it together. There's so many things. It's, it's multi-pronged, you know, the, the kinds of things that you learn from, crossing generations it's mm-hmm. history it's um, future it's it's kind of safety and um and it gives both both groups hope because the older people kind of come with a a history of background that you know things will turn out okay it's okay It'll, right you know. Right. And, and a history of resilience. I'm thinking, you know, of my grandmother, she was born in Scotland and uh, every holiday season we would make shortbread, only three ingredients. It was flour, butter, brown sugar, actually. Um, that was what was available. They, they weren't affluent and um, you had to have warm hands to make the shortbread. Otherwise the butter wouldn't quite integrate well with the flour and the sugar. And so this whole idea of, well, why didn't you just pull out your KitchenAid or why, why would you mix it by hand anyway? And the whole idea, those things didn't exist. You used a bowl and a spoon or your hands and that's what you did. And the fact that brown sugar actually makes a really nicely caramelized 
shortbread, although it was for economic and availability reasons why she made it that way. That is one of the tastiest shortbreads I've ever had. So all that learning in that experience is all out there to be discovered in inter intergenerational baking. And it's uh, so exciting. So this show, uh, Sharon, is called Back to the Future. And we're looking at traditions in agriculture and in food. And why should we really spend time bridging the past and the present and the future? I think, and you talked about resiliency, I think that coming together builds resiliency. And I think as long as we know that we have people behind us and people ahead of us, I think you feel you have a comfort. And that's mm -hmm. the whole problem with isolation and loneliness is you don't feel that way. And so you can feel very isolated even in a crowd. So when the minute you step across and, and you know, share the spoon. One thing that I, my friend had just written to me the other day, she sent me a picture of her son baking Christmas cake um, from a recipe from his grandmother who's passed away. Mm -hmm. And she said, and he's making one stir for every member of the family. Uh -huh. And I thought, how lovely is that? That every time yeah. you took a stir, you said, well, this is for Aunt Martha, or this is for whoever, and go through that. And just as a remembrance, you know, and whether it's kneading it with your hands or whether it's stirring it, that whole idea of I've come from someplace and I'm going someplace together. Right. right. I think it's just a beautiful, um, brighter way forward for sure. I agree with you. And sincerely, the definition of made with love, right? When you're stirring mm -hmm. in every stir, someone in the family, um, either a memory or a happy, happy future focus, possibly for a new baby that's coming. We don't even right. have a name yet. This stirs for the new baby that's going to be born in January. We have one of those coming in my family. So... Sharon, we're also in the show call, um, where we try to bring the humanities to today's food dialogue. And how does creating traditions across generations improve our overall quality of life? Well, again, I think it, it's all about the fact that you look at what you have in common. And, you know, you may have Christmas, like Christmas with a tree and so forth. That might be your tradition, whereas another culture might have another tradition. And whether it's potluck or potlatch, doesn't really matter. I think it's that we recognize one another's backgrounds. We recognize that they're longstanding, mm -hmm. that um, those traditions have been passed down from hand to hand to hand and, you know, changed a little bit as, as they go. Like, just as you said, with the shortbread that, you know, now we might have a different quality of butter, a different quality of sugar. But the whole idea is that, you know, that we are, we are passing that, um, down. And so I think that sharing food, sharing the, the opportunity to make food and that, and I think the whole baking and cooking together and, and bringing, you know, bringing people together to do that, that activity is, is very positive. And it builds opportunities not only to recognize what we have in common, but I think it really brings opportunities for us to build roots, new roots forward. And like I said, with the whole idea of fusion, bringing in new foods and new ideas, to learn about other cultures and try things out. And that's, that's really exciting. It is really exciting, that idea of creating new roots, but also the experience, whether it's the um, joy of the baking and then the fruits of your labor, eating what it is that you made, but the fun of even the cleanup. These uh, lived experiences where we look at the uh, tiny details that really make the fabric of our lives and uh, add a lot, of, a lot of fun. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share, Sharon? I'd like to thank you for, you know, bringing this topic uh, up. And, and I really would like to encourage your listeners to make any kind of an effort at all to cross over with a different generation and share in that experience if they have not done so. And honestly, as a grandmother, 
I mean, I spend probably an hour and a half after my grandkids leave cleaning up the floor and <laughs> dusting things down where the flowers sprayed all over the place. But they are very happy, reflective hours and, and reflective time. And it, But I think the smallest thing, like even asking someone over and, and just starting a snack, you know, I, I think that, you know, all of those things... Um, are really important um, in terms of going forward <laughs> to at least try that. I agree. I agree. Lots of lots of things to look forward to, and lots of things to discover. Both sides, you know, uh, younger people and uh, and seniors. So, thank you so much, Sharon, uh, for sharing your wisdom and inspiration today. And I'm really excited to try a recipe from my grandmother's handwritten book. So, thank you for being here. Thank you. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Sharon McKenzie from Intergenerational Society of Canada about creating baking traditions across generations. Each week to keep old and new agri-food traditions growing in your community, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what could you bake with someone from another generation? Something to do, visit Intergenerational Society of Canada to learn more about how one group's local actions across the nation are providing global encouragement. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly podcast, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.